On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we are ready to roll with some great summer escapes. Head west to Lake Brunner, dip into the Valley of Wine in Gibston as part of a great holiday in Queenstown. Plus we check out some great summer reads to fire up your love of travel. Welcome back to Kiwi Tripsters. Buckle up and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Chris Lynch. Welcome aboard Kiwi Tripsters, I'm Mike Yardley. Hi everyone, I'm Chris Lynch, great to be with you again. Let's kick things off by heading west to Lake Brunner, the west coast and it's a pretty large lake. It's beautiful. It's one of those lakes I think you can almost miss if you're kind of driving on the, the open road. But it is a lake not to be missed because, well, it's quite a family vibe about it, Lake Bruno. What do you reckon, Mike? That's very true. I think you've summed it up beautifully, Chris. It is a banger of a lake. And I love the fact that it's cloaked in an ancient Potocup rainforest. So you do feel yeah. like you've sort of ventured into the wilderness uh, and you've got those amazing unblemished views of the serrated peaks of the Southern Alps. Uh, Brunner is a bit like Lake Matheson because those alpine vistas are sharply reflected in the lake's dark and inky mirror surface with precision, particularly early morning. And um, obviously the darkness of the water is because of the high tannin levels leached from all of those leaves in the forest, which gives the lake that appearance of just one big giant ink pot. <laughs> but it's about 30 minutes drive from Greymouth, definitely one of my favourite lakeside escapes in New Zealand. And it's pretty big when it comes to fishing. In fact, that's probably the prime activity on the lake, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I've never really been a hugely keen fisherman myself, but it is absolutely one of the prime attractions. Uh, That dark, inky lake swarms with wild brown trout, uh, which underpins its reputation as a premier destination for year-round fishing. Come the height of summer... It's not just the fishing, of course, though. You've got the jet boating, the yachting, kayaking, paddle boarding, even swimming. Because even though you're really close to the Alps, the water can reach 25 degrees in summer because of that darkness of the water. All all those tenons in the water help absorb the solar heat. So it's actually quite a warm lake, given how close it is to mountains. And then come nightfall, after all of that frenetic activity on the lake, I love how everything falls so still, you mm. can hear a pin drop. And chances are, if you are out at night by the lake, you'll hear the haunting call of a moorpork ringing out from the forest after dark. Or you'll hear people talking from the township of um, Moana. Moana. Which is a pretty nice t- township, I must say, almost yeah. understated, and perhaps we shouldn't be talking about it because you want to kind of keep it that way. I'm sure the locals do. That's true. It's a wee charmer. Um, some really nice eateries there. Uh, your creature comforts are within ready reach while enjoying a taste of the wild. I think at last count there are 80 permanent residents in Moana. Tony Coxshorn, former mayor, he lives in Moana. Uh, there are 300 holiday homes and they can sell at the most insane prices. But if you are looking for some good nibbles, I really like Station House Cafe. Uh, they have a blackboard style lunch menu and a la carte for dinner. Uh, really good for classic West Coast tucker. And mm. as 
as the name suggests, a station house. It is directly opposite the railway station, which is serviced by the Transalpine. Obviously, the Delta outbreak since August has affected schedules, but um, Transalpine should be running through the uh, peak summer months. Station House was for sale at one stage. Did yes. they have a sale in the end of That's it? That's right. I think it may have to the current oh. uh, operators of the restaurant, yeah. Nice. Um, haven't been since it's uh, been sold, but some lovely food when I was there. Yeah. Um, there's some great hike options too around the area. Some are quite um, hectic. Some are quite relaxed too. Yeah. Um, have you done uh, the one where you, you go across the wee swing bridge? I love that one. It's nice, that, isn't it? It is so family friendly as well. Mm. And that's where I think Brunner really excels, as you referred to before, Chris. It is such a great destination for families because there are a lot of stunningly good short and sweet walking options. So you can go deep into the heart of that fabulous podocarp forest, edging the lake without having to, you know, muster up much of a sweat. And from Moana, the 2K long lakeside walk uh, is a really good introductory because you thread your way around the beach to the fabulous swing bridge across the Arnold River, which uh, is the lake's outfall, actually. Kids love it, that swing bridge. Also, the Valensky track, uh, which starts just by the motor camp, uh, and that serves up a really good mix of rainforest and glowworms. Interesting. Now, what's your favourite track? Well, last time I was at Brunner, I went to the southern end of the lake, and there is a walk called the Bain Bay Walk. It's uh, about a 7K walk in full duration, but you don't actually have to do the whole loop, although I would actually recommend you do because it's flat, and honestly, that 7K feels like a doddle. But before stepping out, the key thing is check with the locals about the lake's water level because it's impassable in places at higher levels or after heavy rainfall. So suddenly you'll find yourself walking on water if you're not careful. Even those boardwalks around the lake's edge can become flooded. Um, but the track leads you into incredibly dense forest and you'll just see forest giants, kahikatea, matai, rimu, uh, all along with you know your tall tree ferns and tangles of vines. You'll um, find your inner Tarzan being tantalised. It's a cracking walk. Where's a good place to stay? There are a lot of options if you want to bed down with um, Lake Brunner. If you want to bed down with an old girl, Lake Brunner Lodge is where to head. Now, Lake Brunner Lodge is a bit of a legend uh, and has been part of the landscape since 1868. It began life as Mitchell's Hotel, and a lot of this history is really well displayed within the lodge. Um, a lot of old-school architecture, but the comforts are very contemporary and casual. And as you would expect from the West Coast, the best thing of all about Lake Brunner Lodge, it is not ostentatious or extortionately priced. It's a really good deal. Arrowtown's status as the poster child for New Zealand tourism remains pretty unblemished, particularly in autumn. Um, so we don't have that kind of COVID feeling in Arrowtown. In fact, you never have that kind of COVID feeling in any of the small <laughs> towns around New Zealand, which I've got to say is a good thing. It is a really nice sort of escapist atmos in mm. Arrowtown. Um, 
as if you've walked into a Wild West frontier town in some ways. But yeah, it is really interesting that since the age of COVID dawned, uh, the crowds and the queues have remained conspicuously absent. So if in the past perhaps you've been to Aro Town on the sticky heights of summer and the place has been swarming, uh, you'll be in for a far more salubrious experience this summer, I am sure. But I just love that main street, Buckingham Street, with all of those clapboard buildings and mm. colonnaded shop fronts. It does feel like a movie set, but it is a real, true, vibrant, living village. And um, it is certainly worth locking into your summer travels. How's the tourist trade in Arrowtown being fearing, do you think? Yeah, well, it's been very patchy, according to the locals. So obviously since August, uh, Aucklanders have been conspicuously absent all across central Otago, most notably in Queenstown. Um, But obviously that will all change over the summer months. That being said, there have been a lot of lower North Islanders and Southerners tootling about the sites of Arrowtown and Queenstown. And of course, no internationals this summer, but one of the legacies of COVID which I picked up in Arrowtown, has been, once again, the power of localism. A lot of those fabulous cafes and bars in Arrowtown, they have only survived because the local villagers have gone out of their way to do their damnedest to support them and, you know, and to eat out more often than they ever have in their lives uh, to keep them afloat. So, yeah, there's been a great community embrace of Arrowtown. Which is pretty cool. Um, let's talk about food now. There's quite a, a good selection of different options there too from memory I think it's a great place to brunch in Arrowtown mm. and the chop shop I went to for the first time a couple of weeks ago not the cop shop not the cop shop but the chop shop um, which is not where you take a car to be chopped up and hocked off to Vietnam by the way uh, but the chop shop do the most incredible Turkish eggs with garlic and dill and Greek yogurt and chili that powers you up for the day sounds very nice I actually wouldn't want to be in the car with you though <laughs> <laughs> I went back for lunch, actually, to the chop shop, not for more Turkish eggs, garlic, dill, Greek yogurt and chilli, but for their ricotta hotcakes, which come with roasted quince, cardamom, honeycomb and vanilla bean mascarpone. Amazing stuff at the chop shop. Um, you'll probably know and recognise that pub, the Fork and Tap, which is a great haunt anytime, day or night. Uh, that's on Buckingham Street just by the old BNZ. And right next door to the Fork and Tap, when I was there, one of those iconic Buckingham Street cottages was for sale. It has just sold. And this little, little cottage sold for $2 million. More for them. (laughs) By the way, another local's favourite, Slow Cuts. Now, this is comfort food in a convivial setting, but as the name suggests, Everything on the menu is slow-cooked, whether you want a cheap and cheerful buttermilk chicken burger or your Moroccan roast lamb. Slow cuts is fabo. That sounds nice. Now, there's plenty of actual, um, there's good wineries around the area too. Yes, uh, indeed. Particularly in the valley. Indeed, the Valley of Wine, Gibston. Um, mm. And from Arrowtown, it's a very short hop. I actually, Chris, I thought you'd be impressed with my dexterity here. I jumped on a bike. 
An e-bike, though? I e-biked. Okay. I'll let you <laughs> I, have that. They're still fun. I e-biked to Gibbsden. Um, <laughs> and there's this really cool trail called the Arrow River Bridges Trail. And it's a cracking route because a lot of the trail is the old miners' trails from the gold rush. Mm. So between Arrowtown and Gibbsden, it's about 13k each way. It's very undulating, but there are no big hill climbs. But if you're on an e-bike, hey, it's easy. Mm. And best of all, you cross... Some of the most amazing suspension bridges that reach back to the Gold Rush era, like the Kawaro Bridge where AJ Hackett's bungee jumps take place. So you'll be hoofing across the Kawaro Bridge on your bike while something someone's jumping off it. Maybe what? AJ Hackett purchased that cottage for $2 million from the government <laughs> funds he got. Indeed. Who knows? <laughs> uh, the views will blow your hair back on that ride to Gibston, and the e-bikes make it such a breeze. Better buy bike other people to see. They're in Dunstan's Cottage just by the Chinese village in Arrowtown, um, and it's definitely the way to go. Nice. Um, why is Kinross, by the way, so popular? It is, isn't it? It is a fantastic showcase of Gibston Valley wine. Right. So not only do they promote and um, sell their own wine, Kinross, but um, in their tasting room, uh, they represent four other wineries, including Valley and Wild Irishman. I enjoyed a rather comprehensive tasting session, I have to say, Chris, uh, with one of the sommeliers at Kinross called Marcial, who was just fantastic. And what I loved about it is you don't have to be a wine snob to be enthralled by guided tasting. You aren't made to feel like a numpty as you're taking through the tasting. And I just learned so much about Gibston Valley's winemakers and their neighbouring vineyards in Bannockburn by Cromwell. Um, And Chris, the Wild Irishman Pinot Noir, which is produced by the founder of Gibston Wine, Alan Brady, that wine is absolutely sensational. Wild Irishman Pinot Noir. And of course, Gibston Valley Winery itself is where the industry began, just up the road from Kinross. They've got the most amazing wine cave there, which has more than 400 barrels of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay inside. And they've also got an on-site cheesery, at Gibston Valley, so you can do your wine and cheese tastings, uh, really cool tours. And if you want um, a bit of five-star dining at Gibston Valley Winery, you will love the Lodge Restaurant under the command of a very well-acclaimed chef, Anthony Gradiska. What about some of the great walking trails? Well, I am in love with the Lake Hayes Walkway. So, as I'm sure you recall, Chris, last time you went to Arrowtown, you turn off the main highway and you've got Lake Hayes on your left as you hoof oh, up to Arrowtown. Nice, it's a nice lake. Beautifully sized lake, you mm. know. Um, it's like a wee princess of a lake. Mm. And there is this fantastic trek lassoed around the lake. It's an 8K loop. Um, and you can easily knock it off in a couple of hours, although you may find yourself going off piste. Because edging Lake Hayes, you've got Amersfield, you've got Akarua, you've got Stone Ridge Estate. So there are seductions, be warned. Um, It's an undulating track, but you get the most delicious viewpoints across the lake and the mountains. And I love how you just stumble across vestiges from the past, like these lonely old crumbling schist cottages like an earthquake disaster zone. They're like lingering ghosts from the gold rush, those cottages. And I was also struck by a project um, called Project Gold, where the hillsides around Lake Hayes have been replanted in thousands and thousands of Kofi trees, which is essentially creating a new blaze of gold around Lake Hayes. Now, where's a great place to stay? What do you reckon? 
Well, as we have discussed, open, unpeopled spaces are mm. going to be a very hot ticket, ticket all summer. And at Lake Hayes, they've got the cottages at Lake Hayes. And they are secluded. They're only a year old. Brand spanking. They, they have that new uh, cottage smell as such. They're loaded up with creature comforts. And um, you wake up to that mirror magic of the lake in the morning calm. And each cottage uh, is decked out in a curated art collection from local artists. In fact, every piece is available for purchase so you can take a wander around your cottage and think, I'll have that, 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 and check out with a very um, generous credit card limit. Yes, I trust. You'd need that You'll too. need it. But it actually is affordable lakefront luxury, the cottages at Lake Hayes. They are a sexy new offering. They look very nice too. Just said Mike talks to the operations director of the Rees Hotel in Queenstown, and we check out some great summer reads. You're with Kiwi Tripsters, I'm Mike Yardley, and let's turn our attention on Queenstown. Now, the Rees Hotel was built in 2007. It's a sophisticated five-star hotel in Queenstown, situated right on the shores of Lake Wakatipu, with those spectacular views across the water to the alpine panorama of the remarkable mountain range. And with summer fast approaching... I know a lot of people around New Zealand, particularly from Auckland, are gagging to get back to Queenstown, and where better could there be than the Rees? Joining us from the Rees is Director of Operations, Roman Lilo. Good to see you, Roman. How are you? Yeah, very good, Michael. Um, thank you for the opportunity to come on the show today. But yes, pretty good down here. It's a beautiful sunny day and um, can see the mountains, so there's a lot of optimism down here today. Yeah. Fabulous. Yes. Well, with Christmas fast approaching, uh, I suppose people are starting to reflect on the year. How rugged has it been for the hotel, given all of the disruptions and restrictions? Mm. Well, to be honest, you, you know, it's no surprise. Uh, pretty rugged, to be quite honest. Um, it has been a challenging 20, uh, the last 20 months has been quite challenging in terms of uh, our team and um, business levels. So, like you said, there is um, some sort of reflection going on as well, but we are quite excited about Auckland, you know, opening up and a plan that we have in place now with the with New Zealand opening up to the world. So there is hope or light at the end of the tunnel. But yes, um, it has been rugged. It would be nice to see those Australians back uh, and on our shores uh, sooner rather than later, but uh, that's obviously looking to be quite some months away, unfortunately. Speaking of speaking of Australia, though, Roman, I guess a highlight from the year would surely have to have been uh, hosting the Australian Prime Minister and his entourage early, earlier in the year. Absolutely. So they obviously came down in May, and that was, you know, to plan the Trans-Tasman bubble, which was opening around um, June. So, you know, the whole team was excited. And given that it was the first uh, official stop of the Prime Minister of Australia, meeting our local iwi and the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern. So there was a lot of hype. Um, you know, I spent a whole week speaking to security, federal police, um, getting the team excited. So, you know, lots of uh, activity, but very saddened when uh, we had to shut down out of um, when New South Wales had Delta. So that was quite a you know, dampened our spirits. But there was, you know, a lot of optimism. People around Queenstown and New Zealand were very excited to be to be tuning in. And, you know, 
to be able to see the Rees Hotel on the international media stage was quite exciting. Yeah, I got a number. I got a number of inquiries from Australians saying, "What's that wonderful hotel our PM is at?" So yeah, it's certainly piqued interest. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was quite. And you know, the view we held the the Waiata and the welcome in the lobby. So it was. It's quite an iconic New Zealand view. So we did get a lot of uh, people emailing us and contacting us to say we're excited to be coming back to the best hotel in New Zealand. <laughs> Fantastic. And obviously, Aucklanders, as I mentioned, are very keen to uh, reunite themselves with all good things in Queenstown. Has there been a noticeable uptick in booking since uh, the changes in restrictions uh, ahead of Christmas? Yes, that's a very good question. So uh, for from, I know that Aucklanders are allowed to, to leave Auckland from the 15th of December, but there has been quite, you know, a small, not a great degree of people uh, booking in from the 15th, but there is certainly an uptake towards the end of the year. So people are looking forward to celebrating the new year. And I guess that's one of those things where people are excited to to welcome a different year rather than 2021 and 2020. So yes, I can confidently say that the end of the year has been pretty good. But I would really encourage um, encourage Aucklanders to to look at you know from the fifteenth because it's quite a there's opportunity to to do a lot of stuff down here while the weather's great. Absolutely, do some do some last minute Christmas shopping in Queenstown. So exactly, or you know do a, like a Halley wine tour. There's a lot of exciting things. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think sets the Rees apart? Mm. Yes, that's it. A very uh, interesting question. I guess, you know, in reflection, there's a lot of beautiful hotel rooms in Queenstown, um, a lot, you know, beautiful views and, and so forth. And But I guess at the end of the day, it's all about the people that, you know, deliver the experience. And we're very lucky that we've got a great team here that really do care about Mana Akitanga and Kaiti Akitanga, which are values core to, to, to New Zealand and Aotearoa. And... Uh, you know, putting our customers first in terms of providing a, a Kiwiana experience. So I guess that's what sets our hotel from the bricks and mortar that is available all around Queenstown is, is really, it comes down to the people. And I think that's one of the greatest assets that we have if you look at TripAdvisor or anywhere that uh, reviews different experiences in hotels. It does consistently talk about the people that we have here. And we're very lucky you know, we've got a strong culture um, and uh, that's what sets us apart, I think. Fantastic. Obviously, people love the food and wine offerings at the Rees Hotel. Tell us about the wine lounge. Yes. Well, the Bordeaux Wine Lounge, you know, we've consistently won the uh, the Wine Spectator Award out of New York City for having one of the best wine sellers in the world. And that really is comes down to the breadth and depth of our wine list. There is quite a lot, a lot of uh, old world and new world wines, including New Zealand wines, which are always quite young. Uh, but I guess, yes, there is quite a selection there, including if you're interested, I'm happy to sell you one of our, our Romney Contis 2004 for $38,000. Um, and I'll buy you a glass of champagne if you buy that one. <laughs> <laughs> Not to, to mention, look, you know, it is, you know, it is for serious wine lovers. We do have a lot of people that come here just for the wine experience and, We've got an in-house sommelier that's uh, trained uh, with uh, WSET Level 3, so very well-versed in um, Otago wines, 
from all around New Zealand and all around the world. So there is a reason why we win those awards is because of consistently delivering on uh, stocking some of the finest wines that we have. And obviously diners at the race are in for a real treat uh, at the True South dining room, right? Absolutely. So Corey Hume, our executive chef, has been with us just over two years now. And Corey was an Olympian chef in 2016 for the Olympic team. And was also prior to that, he was the executive chef at Blanket Bay, one of New Zealand's um, finest lodges. So very creative um, with his team. Um, Yes, and they're certainly in for a treat again, award-winning food, an award-winning chef, Uh, you know, Christchurch bread and born. So obviously very uh, with a New Zealand focus. So it's pretty important for Kiwis to come and experience this Christmas. We've got a great menu that's been put on for um, New Year's Eve and Christmas dinner. So it's on our website, but I'm happy to share with the audience later on as well. Fantastic. And what about the accommodation offerings at the Rees, Roman? Uh, You've got quite a diverse range, don't you? Correct. So we do have uh, 155 rooms and at full capacity, we can hold up to over 400 people. So we've got your traditional um, hotel rooms, um, studio rooms, and then we've got uh, our apartments, which we've got 90 of them. So again, self-catering for those who want to cook and instead of going out every day and also ideal for families. So for multi-generational families and small groups that want to entertain themselves and um, do their own thing. So again, very versatile. And then we've got five residences. Each are three bedrooms, three bathrooms with a jacuzzi on the balcony overlooking Lake Wakatipu. So again, um, amazing views and uh, it comes with different packages. You know, we cater to every budget and every requirement. And I think the thing that to remember is that the views are spectacular overlooking Lake Wakatipu and the Remarkables. Yeah, pretty hard to beat. Um, now, you've been part of the Rees family since day one. I know that you you were like a wee homing pigeon in some ways. You went away for a while and then, and then came back. Um, <laughs> what do guests love most about the hotel, do you believe? Um, I believe that the guests uh, value... Uh, I guess, the people that provide the level of service that we're renowned for, and also um, in terms of the experience, uh, which is, you know, we're relaxed and, you know, New Zealand five-star in terms of getting to know our guests, like we, in terms of like looking after them, like our own family and welcoming, you know, they arrive as guests and leave as friends or family in terms of the interactions that we have going over and beyond call of duty to recommend or um, ensure that they have a great experience that is reflective of um, Aotearoa and also Queenstown. So, and and the culture of, like I said earlier, of mana akitanga and kaiti akitanga, caring for New Zealand, you know, hospitality, uh, the environment, and all of those um, intricacies that ensures that people uh, leave here feeling that they have had a an amazing experience, not just a room or a, uh, you know, a dinner or breakfast. It's about the whole package that we offer here. Yeah, absolutely. Give us some insider tips on savour in Queenstown in terms of like, you know, hidden gems or some local favourites that perhaps most people aren't aware of when they visit Queenstown. What do you, what do you think should be on their checklist? 
Absolutely. So, you know, at the hotel, we do have a, a thing called the Rees uh, Bespoke Halley Wine Tour. So that's an amazing experience. So they, we start off the day and I've done several of these, which is, you know, and not many people get to experience that. You know, they get on a bus and they go on a wine tour, but to do it by a helicopter is absolutely extraordinary. You start with the champagne in the lobby, then we take you to the airport. We escort you, actually, and then we fly over to Ripon and Wanaka, just flying over the gorge and arriving in Wanaka, above Lake Wanaka, having a tasting at, at Ripon. Then we could fly over to Cloudy Bay in uh, Cromwell and then have a look around there, do some more tutorial, you know, with the winemaker, talking about the different vintages and, you know, how the wine is made, you know, the provenance and all of those uh, aspects of winemaking and then flying to Bannockburn at the Bannockburn Hotel and having lunch there. So again, you know, having, you know, having a chat to the locals and truly, you know, absorbing the environment and the surrounding, which is absolutely stunning. And then, you know, to end that, we fly over the Kawarau Gorge and over to the Kajona pub and we have a beer with the locals at the pub there, New Zealand's oldest hotel. And for, you know, just land the helicopter there and take some lots of selfies for Instagram. And then um, you fly back to Queenstown. So that is like a, like obviously a four, six hour day, which is quite incredible from the skies. And everywhere you turn around here is absolutely spectacular. So that's one thing that I would highly recommend is a Halley wine tour in your own um, backyard. And then uh, one of the other things is experiencing Chef Corey's. Uh, we've got a winemaker's dinner culinary event that we host about six every year. And he matches about five wines and five courses. So, and that's sometimes the vintages. So we work with local vineyards like um, Domaine Thompson, Cloudy Bay. Um, we work with, uh, we have worked with Bali in the past and just, Last Friday and Saturday, we hosted a dinner with Champagne Tattinger. So again, very, you know, fully booked. But there's a lot of uh, talk about different vintages and then paired with the, the food. So it's a culinary journey. It's not just a, a dinner, but it's an experience. And I think, you know, food and wine is what we're renowned for. And that's what people, you know, come here for a weekend, stay the night, have dinner, um, do a Halley wine tour, I think, are some of the amazing, iconic things that you could do in Queenstown. Oh, my goodness. Book me in now. That sounds incredible. What a day. Well, well, yeah. happy, to, happy to book you in. <laughs> well, all the very best uh, for Christmas, uh, Raymond, to you and the whole team at the Rees. And uh, I'm sure 2022 is going to be a far more prosperous, auspicious year than the last two. Oh, we really appreciate it. And Merry Christmas to you all. You're with Kiwi Tripsters, now with international travel freedoms still well, on a bit of a short leash at the moment, aren't they? An armchair escape, not a bad option, and there are plenty of travel-themed books rolling out over this festive season, so you can still, well, you can still pretend, right? Absolutely, Chris. So whether you are itching for some great escapism in prose, or perhaps you actually need a last-minute or belated or delayed overdue Christmas gift idea, we've done a bit of a roundup on some excellent new releases that will stimulate your travel cravings. Yes, let's start with the Wild Twins. 
This is Amber and Serena Shine's autobiography. Now, these two hail from Waiuku, and they seem to be like natural-born adventurers. They have done the most crazy things. They've run the world's highest marathon on Mount Everest. They've walked jaguars in the Amazon. As you do. As you do. They've knocked off Mount Cook, done dog sled racing in Alaska, and they even survived naked in the African wilderness for 21 days on the Discovery Show Naked and Afraid. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say they are extreme adventurers, um, and this book um, very much chronicles their amazing encounters. Yes, they. Uh, what an extraordinary life they have. But uh, I just think I'll sit back and just, you know, I'll read it instead. Now, Mike is a big fan of the Lonely Planet Guide, aren't you? Because we record this podcast in your lounge. You have got so many Lonely Planet books. I feel like just heading off into the wilderness right now. Um, tell us about their latest one, Gourmet Trails. Sounds very much me. Yeah, this is a really tasty read, a thoroughly enjoyable book to devour, and it's packed with great up-to-date self-touring ideas, both here and in Australia for 2022, very much focused on our foodie districts. So, for example, Lonely Planet have uh, compiled really good itineraries for grazing in the likes of Tasman or the Wairarapa, Central Otago, Hawke's Bay, uh, and as I say, also in Australia, all sorts of really interesting foodie districts, once some that I've never heard of um, in Aussie, uh, are in this book, Gourmet Trails. So whether you are looking for a cheeky weekend away or perhaps a longer trip on the road on the food trail, uh, this will be a great read. And there would have to be a destination distillery offering. Absolutely. This is such a boom business, anything distilled, mm. uh, particularly gin, and a really cool book showcasing the Cadrona distillery uh, is called The Spirit of Cadrona. It's actually um, part travel story, part gin story, but also a really inspirational business story. Um, and it's all about Desiree Reed Whitaker and how she spent two and a half years visiting the world's best whiskey distilleries, particularly in Scotland, obviously, learning from some of the great masters, risking everything to develop a world-class distillery uh, that specialises in whiskey, but also does vodka and liqueurs and so forth. But the amazing thing, Chris, is this gorgeous distillery in the Cadrona Valley, I mean, it's outrageously good-looking. But her biggest export market for her whiskey is Scotland, which is no mean feat. I mean, that's like selling coals to Newcastle, totally, mm. yeah. Just a bit of a trivia for you. Did you know, I think I can say this, the world's tallest or highest whiskey bar yes. is in the Mackenzie country. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Whiskey Cup, look it up. It's okay. fascinating. Cool. Um, what about, say, the best in travel books for 2020? 22. What do you reckon? Have you got one? Well, yeah, the Lonely Planet best in travel book for 2022. <laughs> Did I say 21? No. What year are we you in? You said best in travel books. There's, um, only, there's only one best in travel book. It's Lonely Planet. That's, well, that's true. Yeah. So every year, up until last year, they have put out this annual book, right, which looks at what are the best cities in the world to visit mm. in the year coming, um, the best regions, uh, and so forth, and as you probably will have heard around uh, mid-November, Auckland was named the number one city to visit in 2022 in Lonely Planet's latest Best in Travel book. Um, and in another coup for Australasia, if you've been to the Scenic Rim area in southeast Queensland, that was named uh, one of the best regions in the world to visit. Mm. The Cook Islands took out number one country in the world. 
So each year, Lonely Planet staff put together these lists uh, and then whittle them down into sort of top 10 countries, regions and cities and so forth. So they give you a bit of inspiration as to things that are trending, places that you may want to add to your wish list. All going to plan things will start opening up in 2022. What a shame we're still in this big pandemic. You think Auckland would be uh, number one, or we could just kind of hold it off until the mm. pandemic ends. And you know, because it's—I mean—that's incredible exposure. Yeah. In terms of stunning coffee book tables. Oh my goodness, coffee table books, even. Yes. Yes. What do you got for me? What did you say? A coffee book table. Coffee. Hang on. Coffee now, book table. table. Okay. Yes. A coffee book table. Now that would be quite an artwork, wouldn't it? Yeah. Anyway, a coffee table book <laughs> is called. <laughs> the Travel Book. Now, this is also a Lonely Planet production, and this book is literally a journey through every country in the world. I love these sort of books. The fourth edition has just been released, so it gives you a little profile on when to visit, what to see, what to do, how to learn more about the country's culture, from its film, its music, food and drink, for every single country in the world. Beautiful photography, of course, um, gorgeous landscapes, Vibrant scenes of street life. It's four, uh, 416 pages of deliciousness. Yes. Uh, a really impressive gift. Now, what about Shackleton? Yeah, I've uh, been reading this recently. It's gripping. It's a brand new biography of Sir Ernest Shackleton, and it's uh, been written by the polar adventurer Ranulph Fiennes. Obviously, from a Kiwi perspective, a lot of people are interested in Shackleton because Littleton played such a huge role as Shackleton's launch pad uh, to the South Pole. He convalesced at Littleton after he became trapped and nearly froze to death uh, at the Pole. But it's Shackleton's incredible leadership, which is what Fines really focuses on in this uh, biography, which is just called Shackleton. Nice. Now, any other recommendations? Who Lived There? This is such a charming new book. It's like a great New Zealand travel book in its own right, really, because you can discover the the places on a tour all around New Zealand where all sorts of incredible people lived in equally incredible homes, cottages, buildings. Um, it is truly a discovery book. Also on the local front, in the Company of Gardeners, if you're a bit green-fingered, this is a book to add to your list. Uh, it does look in depth at a number of different gardens and locations all around New Zealand. So yeah, gardeners and travel buffs alike will be keen on that. You see, I've even taken myself there just by listening to it. So you can take yourself you these places in your mind. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a very challenging year for the entire travel industry globally, hasn't it? But thank you to our audience as well. Uh, we hope that your Christmas and New Year period is a happy time for you and a chance to relax with your loved ones. Absolutely. And living in Christchurch, as Chris and I do, uh, we probably can't actually begin to understand how mentally sapping, how big the toll has been for Aucklanders over the past four months. So. For our Auckland audience, we really do hope you have an extra special summer. You are very welcome to come on down south. Our arms are open for you. Enjoy exploring your own city over the summer uh, and our country unimpeded. Exactly. Thank you also to our podcast production team, particularly to our audio engineer, Sam. Thanks, Sam. And thanks to everyone who has supported our podcast throughout this year. Uh, so we can continue to deliver you fresh travel ideas, content every fortnight, and to keep the love of travel alive. Absolutely. Uh, thank you to our boss, Hamid, by the way, as well. He pays the bills. He keeps us 
well, reasonably in line. Yes. Uh, but most of all, thank you very much to you for listening. We wish you and your family a very happy Christmas and summer holiday season. Yes, let's hope that New Year's comes with a brighter horizon and a more open world. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Now, be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. If you're looking for a bit of summer reading, by the way, um, our For the Love of Travel website's always packed with content, fortheloveoftravel.nz. Plus, we'd love for you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, and we will catch you in January. Yes.